My name is Andrew Stringer and I have a new life in Christ. I'm in recovery for lust, control, abandonment, and seeking worth from others. All right, just adjust here. All right. I grew up in Richardson into what I'd call the quintessential Pleasantville environment. This was a perception that was perception that was created very early on for me, as my family always seemed to focus primarily on keeping up with appearances. We go to church each Sunday, participated in communion, sang in the church choir, and even put our dollar bill in the collection basket when it passed. However, there was much more than meets the eye when it came to my family. To start, my father was 63 when I was born, and my mother 38, a 25-year age gap. This age difference wasn't as evident, evident in my early childhood, but as I began maturing, my perception of it would come crashing down. My first experience with this insecurity of what others thought of me would stem from this age dynamic. My embarrassment allowed my work to be controlled by what others said and thought about me. I recall moments through my childhood that my father would acknowledge that he even was aware of how I felt. I felt shame and guilt for my embarrassment of my father, but, it didn't, but I didn't understand how to process those emotions. As my father continued to age, his role became less and less present in my life. The greater factor to all this was a growing realization that my dad would not be in my life for very long. I felt ripped off by God as this sense of abandonment grew inside me. My self-defense mechanisms were kicking in and I began building strong enough walls that would cause me to detach emotionally in preparation for such a loss. When my parents' relationship became more and more unavoidably dysfunctional, they divorced and my father moved into an assisted living center. After my dad had moved out, my mother went back to work as a flight attendant. In this line of work, she would be gone on travel regularly, leaving my sister and I alone while away. Living life now with an absent father and nearly absent mother, my rebellion was given license to explore the depth of my sin and flesh's capability. I started throwing parties at my house and invited people at my school in hopes of gaining acceptance. I began drinking, using drugs, engaged in sexual activity, and began falling deeper into sin. When the cops started getting called on our house, I would run with, from the police with everyone else. This, of course, was to keep from getting caught, but the consequences of sin was something I only thought I was outrunning. I began smoking marijuana daily, didn't care if my mom knew, which she did. I wouldn't communicate at all where I was, who I was going with. When I'd be coming home, I would sneak out at night without any regard to if she knew I was missing. One day I came home, and she said we were going to be taking a family trip. My aunt would even join us. She communicated that we were all going to be going um, and stop in Waco while we were there to perform a college aptitude test, which my sister had recently taken herself only weeks prior. However, by the end of the consultation, the doctor wasn't sharing my skill sets on academia, but his recommendation for admission to the Maximum Security Rehabilitation Center. I was admitted immediately. For the next 40 days, I would be imprisoned there against my will. Feelings of depression, anger, and further abandonment set in for the long haul. When I had told the doctors what they needed to hear, I was released back to my mother. Upon my return, I recall telling her that I would never forgive her or listen to her ever again. My mom knew I'd be turning 18 soon, so she accepted her attempt to invoke recovery as a complete failure. My senior year was filled with more rebellion and defiance, continued sneaking out, not caring what my mom said or did, or simply using my house as a means for sleep and food. 
Looking back, my mom really had no choice but to take away the last thing she did have control of, her roof. She kicked me out days after high school graduation. Although I'd already gotten good at building up walls in my life, my heart wasn't prepared for this blow. It felt like abandonment times a thousand. I was truly on my own. I had finally fallen in a way that getting up did not seem possible on my own. For the, rest, for the first time in my life, I cried out to God for mercy. God answered my prayer. He delivered me through those hard times with, with sustaining me with employment, food, and shelter. I didn't even deserve that. But God remained faithful even when I was far from him. Over the years, I had a couple serious dating relationships. After the first one, ended, I, it ended and I was extremely hurt and hardened my heart in return. The second relation was extremely dysfunctional. One fight led to another, and after a weekend of more fighting, I cheated on her. I swore to take that secret to my grave and stayed in the relationship, packed away in the depths of my psyche. Although my plan was to hide, God's plan was, my, God's plan was much greater. It was not evident, even in a few weeks after I had returned, excuse me, it was not even a few weeks after I returned that fateful weekend that one of her close friends invited us to go to Watermark. She convinced me to come, to one of the services, and I obliged. My first impression after attending felt like someone had sucker punched me right in the stomach. I had never been challenged to consider the depth of my brokenness. Apparently, I didn't need a cosmic safety net. I needed a loving Savior who had not only died for me, but was trying to save me from sin and death, allowing me to truly be set free. Of course, this wasn't a conclusion I came to the first time attended. However, something was drawing me back to hear more. I recognize this as the Holy Spirit today. But at the time, I wouldn't have been able to acknowledge it. Sunday after Sunday, I left feeling more and more in rest in church than where I had arrived with. Yet I kept coming. I don't know why that made it seem better. I was just going to go with it. <laughs> I'm tall. It's kind of... All right. Um, when I was in elementary, I attended a church retreat with one of my best friends at the time. It was there I learned why I needed Jesus as a rescuer. I was taught that we were sinners, could never earn our way to heaven by practicing perfection, but God gave us his only son to die in our place and bridge the gap to enter fully into a, re enter fully into a relationship with him and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John 5.24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Even though I had initially accepted Jesus into my heart, trusting God was another story. I became a member of Watermark, even got established in community. Almost a year had passed since being reintroduced to church, and yet I was still deep in sin. I didn't know what was missing. If I had to be most, give the most straightforward answer, it was my heart hadn't surrendered yet. I were reminded by Matthew 16, 24, and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his, his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I woke up one morning feeling the most unrest I have ever experienced in my life. We had company over the night before and had spoken about ideas about getting engaged and plans for our future openly. Suddenly it was all there before me. I was living a life of lies. I knew it. Every I love you, every discussion about our future, every word from my mouth, all lies. This morning I felt physically ill. I couldn't go on any longer. I spoke the words, I need to tell you something. 
I recall it like a movie where everything slows down and you lock onto a frame where the next seconds turn into the longest minutes of your life. My heart felt like something was tangibly pulling it. I recall resisting and saying to myself, Lord, no, please, no. I'm not strong enough. I can't do this. Only to feel my heart get pulled even harder. I knew what God was asking of me. I knew it was the Holy Spirit, and to this day, I've never felt anything like it. She was watching my eyes as, they, as she soon became scared, seeing the pain in them. But what was about to come out of my mouth? In that very moment, I let go. I finally surrendered. What little strength I had been holding up upon my shoulders fell away. I told her about my unfaithfulness a year removed. The grenade dropped from my hands, pin pulled. The emotional shrapnel erupted right in that room. A big part of me felt like it would bleed out, never to experience joy again. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. It was God's grace at work all along, guiding my next steps, even when my wounds felt too heavy and I could not stand on my own. The men God had placed in my life through community at the time remained faithful. They reminded me of my purpose, God's purpose, and encouraged me to continue feeding my heart with truth about him. I had been clinging onto the side of a cliff, thinking I would never find a way back to safety. But God had fixed a firm rope around my waist and was pulling me up out of harm's way. I slowly began to trust God in small ways at first, almost like walking out on a sheet of ice, thinking at any moment God would ask too much of me and the foundation of where I stood would break. Yet I kept one foot in front of the other as God directed where to place my next step. One day that step put me in a congregation of people who spoke of God in a way I'd never heard before. They shared a journey with Christ which was raw and unabashed and spoke of redemption and rescue through God's mercy and grace. Now the step was before me and I was about to take 12 more through a ministry called Region. I remember hearing about Region through sermons and around the Watermark campus, but I always felt like it was a place for a specific kind of sin. And in my pride, I had felt my own sins didn't qualify me. I was still very naive and delusional toward my own need for help, but I was now being encouraged to show up. When I walked through the doors of groundwork, I began making mental notes of how I wasn't as broken as the next person as if I might get some good pointers for fighting sin or maybe offer a prayer to the next guy that needed Jesus a little more than me. If I'm being honest, I had prepared to give just enough of my story to, pro, to the program, knowing that there were some things that were just off limits and, telling, and desiring to not tell anyone about. Yet as each of, the steps per, each of the steps progressed, the voice of the Holy Spirit grew even louder. Discovering what simply admitting, believing, and trusting would mean began to establish a new type of relationship with Christ. Until that point, I'd say the depth of seeking God was shallow at best. Now I was learning what absolute trust really meant. During inventory, I became more and more aware of the patterns of my sin struggles. My understanding and desire for, for lust and porn gave way to greater understanding of the need for seeking control. My struggle with people-pleasing was rooted deeper in, my, in seeing my worth depicted by what others thought of me. I began addressing every pattern one sin at a time. During this step, God's plan would have it that I would be introduced to my future wife. God would give me the opportunity to be the most vulnerable I'd ever been in my life, and I opened up about my sin through confession, even eventually sharing my inventory with her as well. 
I knew living in the light was what I was called to do, and for the first time in my life, I began putting it into practice. The more faithful I was in bringing my hidden sins to the light, the more freedom I felt. I began being shown God's grace in response even more so, as it gave way to the realization that I was no longer to be recognized by my sin. I was being made new. This revelation modeled everything about Christ that I had heard about so many times, but I never felt like I felt like I was hearing it for the first time with a whole new set of ears. I had been failing to acknowledge the very blood Christ shed for me on that cross. I was forgiven because of Jesus, and I no longer had to be hiding in hiding for my sins that he had already paid penance for. Because of this truth, I would be set free. The next step in region would help restore me further, working the repentance plans to identify my pitfalls to keep from stumbling. Then, the, then came the next steps, forgiveness, amends, and reconciliation, and then it was like someone scratched the record and the anxiety came roaring back. I was now being called to seek out those who had harmed me and those I had harmed so many years removed, to not only acknowledge it, but to be called into action. I was going to have to not only forgive, but ask for forgiveness. The first person that came to mind was my mother. I was, it was not easy to say the least, but God showed me that the freedom that faithfulness offers is only is not excuse me, not only that, but the weight of the burden of holding on to that resentment over so many years was like getting my years of life back. One of the hardest amends was being honest with an employer that I'd stolen from decades ago. Yet once again, God showed me that he can be trusted. Two months after I completed Regen, I married my wife. Another biblical lesson I learned in Regen of what rightful relationships look like with Christ at the center. I tell my wife to this day, had God not led me to Regen, she would have passed on me. The person she got the privilege of meeting, her words, not mine, uh, was not perfect or fixed. Uh, you knew I put that there. Um, it was not perfect or fixed, but I was now giving, given the knowledge and the tools to, have never, to never go into hiding again. Best part was that I couldn't stop sharing my experience and the story of Christ's redemption in me with others. It often began, if God can save an idiot like me, he can absolutely save you. And I was better equipped. I actually admitted that. That said fool. Idiots sound more appropriate. Uh, um, I was better equipped for God to use me in ways that I finally saw the need for him in my life and could share my story of redemption. This was a process that I couldn't have done alone. The men I was surrounded with each week were inspirations to me. I got to watch their transformations as well. The realization of how important community was in my life was more paramount than ever. I wanted to be relentlessly transparent with everyone, my coworkers, friendships, especially those doing life with me. When I received the opportunity to give back through leadership at Region, I knew it was the next step God was leading me towards. How not, now having the privilege to lead a group of men down the same journey I embarked on three years ago, I can say that God never ceases to amaze me in timing and his power. I'm not fixed, I still sin, but my desire to always remain in the light and practice these steps I learned in region are very much still alive. My life has renewed purpose. I realize now that his way is better than any plans I've ever had for myself. We recently welcomed our firstborn, Selah, four months ago. Today I got to also be reminded by the power of God's rede redemption through the miracle of her life. She's a reflection of God's blessing to me. Matthew 19, 26, but Jesus looked at them and said, what man, with man, this is impossible, 
but with God, all things are possible. If this is your first time here tonight, welcome. You are in great company here, as we are all sinners and in desperate need of a loving Savior. We all have our own unique story, and God desires to use, his for, use yours for his glory. Nothing you've done or will do can separate you from God's love and mercy. He cares intimately about you and wants to set you free. My prayer is that you choose to trust him with your life. It's no mistake that you're present here tonight. My name is Andrew, and because of Christ, I now have found hope and healing for my struggle with lust, control, abandonment, and finding worth from others.